Well, a new trimester has started. For our growth groups, if you haven't signed up, you can still sign up. I'm really excited because we are going through the same book together as a church. And if you're a growth group leader or you're a part of a growth group, I want to let you know you can see uh, what questions we'll be asking uh, by going to hopechapel.org slash the blog. And that's where the questions will be on Monday. Okay? Because we don't have the questions yet in the syllabus. We're only covering the introduction tonight. So uh, you can also uh, see the pastor's thoughts at hopechapel.org, the blog. If you're not aware, we have our own blog. And uh, you might find it very interesting. But go to get the questions this week there, okay? Well, before I begin the teaching tonight, I want to preface it with some introductory remarks that I believe are necessary before we discuss the book, When the Church Was a Family, which we will be studying over the next several weeks. And years ago, the legendary coach Vince Lombardi, who won five Super Bowls in seven years, including the very first two in the 60s, gathered his Green Bay Packers together before preseason training. He held up a football and announced to his professional players, gentlemen, this is a football. He wanted to illustrate a point that sometimes we need to get back to the simple basics. So ladies and gentlemen, this is a book. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a Bible. This book was written by Joseph Hellerman, a godly scholar, professor, and pastor who cares about God and God's church, but he's just a man. We may not agree with everything Hellerman says, but I want to remind you that this is just a tool to help us understand the first century church and what we can learn as Westerners from their example. This is just a book. This is just a tool. Now, this is the Bible. This is the Word of God. It's God-breathed, according to 2 Timothy 3.16. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, according to Hebrews 4.12. And it is spirit and life, according to John 6.63. If there is any place where these don't agree... This is our only standard for faith and practice. The Bible is God's word and it is infallible. That is, it's absolutely trustworthy. It is also inerrant. It's free from error. Now, with that said, all the teachings we'll hear over the next 12 weeks will be Bible-based. But we will be using Hellerman's book as a tool. Okay? Very good. Now, before we talk about the church being a family, it's really important for us to get back to the basics and talk about what is the church. What is the church? Well, Wayne Grudem's systematic theology defines it this way. The church is the community of all true believers for all time. Will you please say that with me? The church is the community of all true believers for all time. Before you were a Christian, you probably looked at a fancy building with stained glass, a steeple, and a cross, and thought, that was a church. No, the church 
is the people. The church is made up of all those who are truly saved, all those whom Jesus died to redeem, and all those who have trusted in his death as payment for their sins. Ephesians 5.25, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus didn't die for a building. He died for people. The people are the church. 1 Peter 2.5, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. You are the church. We are saved out of one community and into another community. Colossians 1, 13 and 14, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I used to live in the domain of darkness. As a drug addict, I was not looking for God at all. I was having fun my way. I did life my way. Then God sovereignly evicted me out of that domain, plucking me as a brand from the fire, and brought me into the kingdom of His beloved Son. The same thing happened to you when you believed, when you were born again. You thought you may have known God. You may have thought that or said something like God and I are like this, but you were deceived. You're only part of this community when you are born again. Did you know also that you are part of a great historical community? A great cloud of witnesses that stretches back from Adam and Eve through the patriarchs to the prophets to the New Testament saints. You are part of the community of Augustine and all the church fathers, all those who are part of the Reformation along with Luther and Calvin to those of the Great Awakening like Wesley, Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards. The community that has Charles Spurgeon, William Carey and a Hudson Taylor as its members. We're also included in a family that has Billy Sunday and Billy Graham. It stretches to Chuck Smith, Ralph Moore, Zach Nazarian, and Jim and Kathy Hauser, and Gilbert, and Tui. This community includes my daughters, Dee Dee and Laurel, and their children when they become believers, and their children, and their children... Can you see what a vast, awesome community this is? What a great community. What a church. What a family. We were recently given some hymn books for our family worship time. And most mornings we sing some great old hymns. These wonderful songs connect us with the community of God, not only from the past... Not only from the saints of old it connects us with, but it connects us with the community around the world. When we sing a song like Amazing Grace or Praise God from Whom All Blessings Flow, we're connected with those who sing these very songs in China, in Africa, in Europe, in Russia, 
in Slovakia. We are connected with the saints around the world, a great world community of believers. You know, once we were completely alienated from God and each other, but now through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been brought together into one glorious family. Ephesians 2. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Do you remember that old children's rhyme? Here is the church and here is the steeple. Open the door and see all the people. Let's revise it to, here is the church. It's always the people. Not the brick, not the mortar, not even the steeple. So, what is the church? A community of all true believers for all time. So, what's this community like? Well, to understand the nature of the church, God describes it in many different ways using metaphors, analogies, and word pictures. I'm just going to cover just a few of them here. You'll have to write down the addresses yourself. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is like branches on a vine. The church is like an olive tree. The church is like a field of crops. The church is a harvest. The church is also described as the new temple, a new group of priests, God's house, and the body of Christ. Each one of these images can help us to appreciate more fully the responsibility and privilege each one of us has been given as being part of God's church. But the image we're most concerned with this morning is the picture of the church as a family. God is our Father. When Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he said to pray like this, Our Father in heaven. You can call God your Father if you are born again. If you have repented of your sin and put your trust solely and only in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sin, then you are born again. If you have not done that and you're coming to church because it's the right thing to do or because you want to be religious or fulfill your religious duty, but you have not been born again, then you cannot call God your father. The Bible says that the devil is your father. That sounds harsh, but it's the truth. You can only call God your father if you are born again. When you have separated yourself from the world system and are part of God's family, you are then a son or daughter of his. 2 Corinthians 6.18 I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Not only are you sons and daughters of the Father, but we are also brothers and sisters as well, when we do his will. Matthew 12 While he, Jesus, was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, Hiya, sister. Hiya, brother. We're brothers and we're sisters if we're born again. What a great family. I just saw Dr. Carrico kissing his sister. Who happens to be his wife. 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 2. This is, this is how we're to treat members of the church as a family when we deal with one another. There's, in a family, there's things that happen, aren't there? There's disagreements. There's difference of opinions. And, and sometimes we can just get on each other's nerves, huh? This is how we're to treat one another. According to 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. I don't like to be rebuked, but I need one every now and then. If you're going to rebuke me, just do it gently, okay? You know, rebuke one another as you would like to be rebuked, okay? It's good to be rebuked, it's good to be encouraged, it's good to be talked to every now and then to straighten us out, right? And because of a family, we expect that from one another. We hold each other accountable. 1 John 3, 14, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Because we love the brothers, because we love the sisters, that's how we know we're children of God, because we love one another. We love one another. Now, the best place for a newborn baby to grow is in a family, is it not? Babies aren't born on a curb and left there. No human beings do that sad type of action. But God places every baby in a family. Babies are born into families. The best place for a born-again baby Christian to grow is in a family. The best place for a maturing believer to grow is in a family. The best place for a mature believer to continue their growth is in a family. Joseph Hillerman writes on page one of his book, spiritual formation occurs primarily in the context of community. People who remain connected with their brothers and sisters in the local church almost invariably grow in self-understanding and they mature in their ability to relate in healthy ways to God and to their fellow human beings. This is especially the case for those courageous Christians who stick it out through the often messy process of interpersonal discord and conflict resolution. Long-term interpersonal relationships are the crucible of genuine progress in the Christian life. People who stay also grow. People who leave do not grow. Say that with me. People who stay also grow. People who leave do not grow. Years ago, when I was in our drug recovery group called Free to Choose, I met a man named Bill. That's not his real name. We were both getting clean and sober and wanted to follow Christ. I decided I was not going to go anywhere else, but was going to do everything the leaders told me to do. And here's why. I had made a mess of my life doing things my way. I had lost nearly everything I had until I came to this family called Hope Chapel. I came with my long hair and my wild persona, and they accepted me here. Not only was I accepted here, I was loved here. 
I was welcomed here. I said, I am going to do everything they tell me to do. I want to be a part of this. I didn't want to get kicked out. I wanted to be here. Bill chose otherwise. I saw Bill in church just a few months ago. He was sitting right over there in the back row. After 21 years, he was still an addict. He was wearing a hash pipe on a chain around his neck. He chose to leave. He didn't grow. I got a message recently from a woman informing me how her husband, who left this church several years ago, is now abusive to her. He's a drunkard. He's a drug addict. And he used to be heavily involved in many ministries in this church. Last week we heard from Ronnie Jones. He stayed. He got involved in the family of Hope Chapel. He grew and matured to the point that he is now a missionary to Mexico where he's teaching other people to grow. And he's been there 18 years. and It was an original two-year commitment. He chose to stay. And now God is using him to teach others to stay and to grow. What blew me away about his testimony last week is that these people that are getting saved are going to the Middle East. Why would God use people in Mexico to go to the Middle East? Isn't that amazing? What, are, what is God doing here? And I told Ronnie that, you know, in the last, previous 20 years, I didn't really know you. But as a result of your testimony last week, I now know you and I know your family and I love you. In fact, my two daughters stayed the night last night over at his house. And I really didn't feel like I knew him until the weekend, but I... Did you hear his testimony last week? Were you encouraged to make you cry? If you missed it, you got to listen to it. It was beautiful. This is the testimony of all those who stay. Who stay. When you stay, you will grow. After you visit seven times in a row, visitors, stay for another hundred. <laughs> then, two hundred. And more. God has equipped this family with various spiritual giftings to teach you to grow so that you can become a fully mature believer. When you stay with the family, you will see where you fit in and where you are needed. And you are needed. Ephesians 4 says this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, what Paul's writing here is, he's given you this family with its various giftings to grow you up so you can be mature in Christ and not stay stunted as a child. Because if you're a child, a child believes anything, doesn't he? And if you stay as a child in the Christian faith, 
you're going to be subjected to great temptations. You're going to be sucked off into a cult, possibly. Or you may lose your faith entirely by saying, forget it, because you don't understand who God is and how he works. That's why he brought you into this family. The choice is yours. Stay and grow. He gives us that choice. Now, there are at least three big challenges to seeing the church as a family in America, according to the introduction in chapter 1. Challenge number one, radical individualism. Radical individualism. The very fact that we are Americans is a challenge to seeing the church as a family. We don't want anyone telling us what to do or where to go. Where do we? We're Americans. We pulled ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We were founded as a nation of rebels and we continue to do our own thing today. You know, it's just the way it is in America. I'm an American. You're an American. You know what I'm talking about. Our movie heroes drive home this point, don't they? John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, James Dean, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, you can't even kill those guys. John Wayne only died twice in all of his films. All tough, loner, my way or the highway types of guys. We all know about Self magazine, right? Self. Well, I googled to see if there was a me magazine. And there is. (laughs) Then I googled to see if there was a magazine called Selfish. There was. Of course, it was for students. And I resisted the urge to search for modern Christian hermit. Burger King says, have it your way. And the 60s band, The Animals, summed it all up in these lyrics. You may be familiar with them. It's my life and I'll do what I want. It's my mind and I'll think what I want. If you don't remember the tune, I'll spare you. (laughs) (laughs) Hellerman writes this concerning radical individualism. We in America have been socialized to believe that our own dreams, goals, and personal fulfillment ought to take precedence over the well-being of any group, our church or our family, for example, to which we belong. The immediate needs of the individual are more important than the long-term health of the group. So we leave and withdraw rather than stay and grow up when the going gets rough in the church or in the home. A man was stranded on a desert island for over 20 years. Finally, one day, a boat came sailing into view, and the man frantically waved the boat over. After he was rescued, he stood on the deck with the sailor as they looked back at the island. The sailor asked him, What are those three huts you you have over there on the island? He said, Well, that first one's my house over there. I built that, that hut with my own hands. It was my house. Well, what's the next hut? asked the sailor. Oh, that's my church. I loved my church. I fellowshiped with myself and God, and I worshiped. I loved my church. Well, what about the third hut? Oh, that's the church I used to go to. (laughs) It's very easy to leave when our perceived needs aren't met. 
How very contrary to what Christ demands when we come to him, isn't it? Luke 9, and he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? You know, that's so radical. If you want to save your life for Christ's sake, you've got to be willing to give it all up. Or you can hold on to it all, hold it tightly to your vest, and you'll end up losing it all, including your very life eternally. Some of you may have been called to give up everything and follow him, like the rich young ruler. But more likely, it's giving up ourself, our needs and our desires to sacrifice them, sometimes for our spouse, sometimes for our family, all the time for our brothers and sisters. Hellerman again, radical individualism has affected our whole way of viewing the Christian faith. And it has profoundly compromised our relational commitments to one another. If it's all about us, it's not about you at all, is it? It's only about me. That hurts a family. There are at least three big challenges to seeing the church as a family in America. The first is radical individualism. The second is me and Jesusism. Me and Jesusism. This is the notion that it's only about me and Jesus. Even though the term personal savior is not found at all in scripture. Did you know that? Personal savior is not found in scripture. We hold on to this traditional long-held view of the Christian faith. Again, this is an American view of faith. Me and Jesus. Paul refers to Jesus as our Lord. That is, as the Lord of God's group. 53 times. You know how many times Paul refers to my Lord? One time. Isn't that interesting? 53 times our Lord, one time my Lord. If it was just about me and Jesus, I wouldn't need you. If it was all about just you and Jesus, you wouldn't need me. We wouldn't need the church. We have, as Americans, been brought up to believe that in Christian circles, it is our personal relationship with God that's the most important thing. Not connections we have with other human beings in the church or at home. Remember, we are saved into a family. We're saved into a family. A friend told me about a man who said that he didn't need the church. I can evangelize on my own, he declared. I can worship alone. I can pray alone. In fact, he believed that he could engage all the spiritual disciplines on his own. Well, he could. Absolutely, he could. But he didn't. He ended up coming back to his church family after two years in the wilderness. You know, I meet those kind of people all the time when I'm sharing my faith. Wow, well, you know what? I don't need the institutionalized church. I can worship on my own. I can sit in front of the ocean and I can worship God. I can read my Bible in a park. Well, yes, you can. But do you? But do you? 
It's easy to stay at home because we're too busy to come to fellowship. Other things getting all the way all the time, right? Work and family and this thing, or I got to get my exercise in. I mean, we have four services. There's really not an excuse to miss being here with the family. Imagine if we were really suffering for the Lord and had one service only. Then it'd be a struggle, huh? We'd actually have to rearrange our schedules. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. I thought about this verse. Think about this. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. It's an interesting thought. You're not an individual with the freedom to live your Christian life alone. Did you know that? You weren't saved to live your Christian life alone, but individually as a member of the family. So you, yes, you're an individual, but you're only an individual in the context of the greater group. That's what it says right here. Isn't that interesting? Yes, individually, members, members of it. Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. That's what I'm doing right now. I hope a few of you are like in the seat. I hope. I'm just doing what I'm told to do here. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need to be encouraged, don't we? He's talking about the big day, the big D, the big capital D. I guess that's the day of judgment. But you know what? I need encouragement with a little d because I don't know what's happening tomorrow. Do you? Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow for each day has enough trouble of its own. I need you. I need to be encouraged by my brothers and my sisters. I need to be prayed for. I need to be lifted up. You know, you do it on your own. Your life is going to come apart. Some of you have already experienced that. Some of you may have walked away for a season of time and said, you know what? I got my butt kicked out there. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. You know, I see this happen in singles ministry. I've been a singles pastor now for way over 15 years. And people will invariably come to singles ministry with one purpose, right? To seek the Lord. (laughs) No. They come with the main purpose of finding a mate, which is fine. It's a singles ministry. But we encourage them to seek the Lord. After a few months, you can just see it happening. You see the couple now from separate tables now coming here. They come week after week, and then they disappear. In fact, you can't reach them. They don't return phone calls. They don't come to fellowship anymore. And then, several months later, one of them comes back to church. They blew up. And they said, this is it. This time, I'm going to follow you. That's the whole point. Can't do it alone. Can't do it alone. As Pastor Zach says, Jesus has called us to be a body of disciples. The process of actively living out God's will is best accomplished by participating in a good church. He continues, the New Testament places a major emphasis on the need for Christians to be accountable to each other for spiritual growth. You cannot be accountable when you're not committed to any specific church family. I need accountability. How about you? How about you? Those of you who are not accountable are making your spouse miserable. I'm going to tell you that right now. You're making your family miserable. 
They're praying. They're hoping. They're pleading to God that you will get accountability so that their life will be blessed. And wives, if you're being a submissive wife, you're praying earnestly and you're probably fasting on occasion for your husband who's disobedient to the word who comes every now and then. Same with the husbands. You're not berating your spouse. You're not angry with your spouse. You're inviting your spouse to fellowship. You're praying for her to come. You're being gentle and understanding as you wait on the Lord. The last big challenge to seeing the church as a family in America is this. Challenge number three, consumer Christianity. Consumer Christianity. We have become a nation of church hoppers and church shoppers, Zach says in his Hope 101 class. Because of the plethora of churches in every city, we can pick and choose what we want, huh? And go to the church where our felt needs can be met. If you are undergoing a problem in one church family, all you have to do is head down the street to another church family. And if you don't like that family, you go across the street. And if you don't like that one, you go up the street. Or you can quit altogether. It's hometown buffet discipleship. It's a cafeteria Christian mentality. Pick and choose what you like and leave the dirty dishes for someone else to clean up. There was one man in this congregation who said he went to hear the music in one church and then came to Hope Chapel to listen to the message. I'll bet you he went to another one to get the donut holes. (laughs) May I suggest that one's growth will be stunted on an unhealthy diet of Christian light? This type of low-calorie commitment will bring little bulk to your Christian maturity. By getting involved, by becoming part of the family, by becoming a member, it is an antidote to our society. Membership in the family swims against the current of America's consumer Christianity. I don't need to be a member. I know I'm coming. Well, yeah. You know you're coming, but do we know you're coming? Do we know we can count on you? There will be membership forms on the back. If you're not a member, read it over, pray about it, and then sign it, and then do what you said said that you will do. So we can count on you. We can count on you. The difference between being a consumer or a member is like the difference between just living together and getting married. Some of you ladies bought that lie before you were a Christian, didn't you? You were with that scoundrel who said, Honey, we don't need a piece of paper. I love you. And then after he left and you came to Christ, you married a good man. Same thing here. Be committed. Are you a member of this family? Sign that paper. That's a good test. The best way to grow is to stay. Stay committed to this family called Hope Chapel. Stay when the going gets tough. The best way to grow is to stay. Has someone said to you lately, you know, I've seen you grow. If you haven't, think about it. Not that we need someone to tell us we're growing. But if someone says we're growing, 
Maybe we're growing. How else will we know? Avail yourself of the pastors and elders who are here to help you, dear brother and sister. That's what we're here for, to help you, to encourage you, to pray for you. As we learn about when the church was a family over the next few months, may we grow ever more dependent on Christ and each other as we learn to live for God's glory in this awesome community of believers. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I am thankful for this family. I am thankful that you called every one of us here to grow. I am thankful that you say you will never leave us nor forsake us, that you're with us always, even to the very end of the age. You are committed to us. Help us to be committed to you by being committed to this body. And Lord, there's some here who are just checking it out. I understand that. There are a few here, Lord, who are going to multiple churches. I pray today's the day they leave and be committed to that other church or that they decide to stay here and be committed to this church. Lord, I can't be committed to two families. No one can. I can't love my wife and my children here and then have another wife and children there. No, this is my family. Thank you, God. Thank you that you've given us that choice. Let us be men and women of integrity and commit our lives to one family today. Thank you, Lord. Now I want to talk to you who are not a member of any family. You're not even in the family of God. You thought you were because you come here, but you've never taken the plunge. You've never made your full commitment. It starts by humbling yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. You've got to acknowledge to God that you are a wretched sinner, that you are helpless beyond, beyond compare, that you've sinned against God by breaking his commandments, by lying, by stealing, by coveting, by dishonoring your parents, by looking with lust, which is adultery, by hating, which is murder, by not putting God first. If you've broken any commandment, just one, that's sin. If you sin one time, the penalty is eternity in hell. And no member of God's family goes to hell. I'm encouraging you today. I'm pleading with you today to think about your condition. That on judgment day, you will get what you deserve. But I'm saying God gives you what you don't deserve mercy when you repent of your sin and put your trust in Jesus Christ who suffered and died on a cross was buried for three days and rose again if you believe that Jesus died for your sins and turn away from your sin God forgives you now you're a member of the great family that stretches back stretches forward and stretches around the world How did God show his love for his family? For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, will not go to hell, but have everlasting life. I plead with you today to fall upon the mercy of God. When the elders come up here to pray, if something has stirred you to either commit to this family or commit to the Lord by repentance and trust in the Savior, please avail yourself of that opportunity today. Let's stand, let's worship God one more time.